Hello and welcome to Building Insights. I'm James Parker, Managing Editor of Architects Datafile. Today I'm joined by John Ducker, Head of Regulatory Affairs at Kingspan Insulation. He's an expert on energy efficient buildings and legislation and regulation in the sector, so is the ideal person to speak to about the firm's views on the recent legislation changes we've seen in the building industry. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us today. Morning, James. Uh, Very welcome. Happy to join you. There have been some significant updates to the energy efficiency regulations in England, Scotland and Wales over the past year. Do you think these have been a positive step generally? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, they've all taken uh, different sort of levels of step forward and um, each of the parts of the the UK are doing things slightly differently. But but overall, it's a definite sort of step forwards to to reduce energy demands and also moving towards uh, lower carbon lower energy building services um, and renewables that you know are put into them. Overall, I think Scotland's probably gone a little bit further than England has done so, but they, they've done things in sort of slightly different ways. The thermal performance of buildings, the worst allowable U-values, uh, that's the, the, the heat loss through building elements, are a bit tighter in uh, Wales and Scotland uh, and in England they've kind of sort of uh, instead gone for an overall level of building fabric improvement which right. is you know good to see so the fact that they've looked at it holistically is actually the, a, a good sensible approach you think yeah i mean there is more to come you know mm. it, it's it's the first step forward that's uh, that's happened in in a in a fair few years 2015 for Scotland and then 2013 or 14 for for England and Wales respectively but all three parts of the UK are also going to be taking another step in the next couple of years to move towards uh nearly zero energy building so you know it's 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 a step forward there's mm. a little bit more still to do and fabric requirements are obviously more ambitious on retrofit as well as new build yeah, I mean, mostly for new build elements, primarily, um, there's some okay. slight tightening of the requirements for existing buildings. Uh, existing buildings can be a bit trickier. Obviously, we've got quite a diverse housing and building stock in the UK. Um, some of those buildings are much easier to uh, adapt and improve without causing uh, you know, potential technical problems or heritage problems for that matter. You know, not every building should be uh, improved in the same way or to the same extent as, mm-hmm. as others. Not every solid wall is necessarily going to you know, be appropriate for improvement. There's different uh, approaches to different buildings with, with retrofit, and that does make life a little bit trickier. What's really important is to uh, craft the the right overall approach for each individual building and uh, the retrofit framework that was brought in uh, in the last few years, um, which incorporates past 2035 uh, for domestic buildings, past 2038 for non-domestic, and then 2030 for the installation sort of side of things, has been a positive sort of step forward in making sure that the right things happen to the right buildings uh, and the consequences of making improvements are adequately considered. So there really does need to be some level of assessment of what the right thing is to do and some right level of uh, design consideration yeah. of the right approach for a particular property. Uh, and that's what you know, those, have, those have put in place, really. 
not just about insulating them. You've got to make sure that the ventilation's right. You've got to make sure that they're heated uh, appropriately. And even on the insulation sort of side of things, there's a whole bunch of different things to consider, like um, uh, detailing at junctions, coordinating approaches. So it, it's very important to, uh, to get those things right, can mm. add additional cost and time. With the, the, the massive price rises we've had in, in energy costs, you know, the last couple of years, um, it certainly sort of put that at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Absolutely. Obviously, cost is one aspect of things and, and a very important one for, for many people. Mm. Carbon is also a, a, a huge thing. And there's a, there's a massive gap between where we are now and where we need to be if we're going to meet our, our climate aspirations and hit the targets that we've got in place for 2045 for Scotland, 2050 for England and Wales for getting towards net zero. There absolutely has to be some uh, some significant steps forward. And if we're ever going to get a larger scale rollout um, beyond the low levels that you know we're, we're still only seeing now, there needs to be some you know quite considerable uh, action taking to to start to to improve on that. And, mm. and alongside the cost and the carbon, there's also the energy security side of things. So we're in a situation where the um, the country is moving towards that decarbonized heating, uh, decarbonized transport. We've only got so much energy supply. So you've got to kind of try and consider that alongside everything else, really. Minimizing demands to the best extent you possibly can. Uh, and a good part of that through the building. Uh, and, you know, anywhere that you can reduce demands through insulation, you know, is a good step forward to meaning you need less power stations in the long term. Transitional arrangements are now much shorter. Big, big impact on housing in terms of yeah, for new how the legislation used to work. For England, uh, the regulations changed in June last year. If approval had been um, achieved before that was the case, uh, then they had you know, a year. So they had until June this year to have started work. And previously, it could have just been on, on one building on the site. But under the new uh, transitional arrangements, they have to have you know, uh, started on each of those buildings. Otherwise, uh, they have to uh, build to the new regulations. And, and there's quite a difference between them. There were houses still being built to the 2006 regulations, for example, you know, only uh, 18 months, two years ago. It's a good thing overall to sort of try and make sure that the the homes that somebody's buying now um, have the energy efficiency that you'd expect for a new home rather than one that, you know, potentially is in, in need of retrofit uh, again within the next few years to try and get up to the net zero level, level that we need. And this is one uh, mechanism for closing those gaps a little bit. We are expecting a further round of updates to the energy efficiency regulations across the UK in each in each country over the next couple of years. What do you expect these to look like? So I think part of it will be uh, a bit of a push more towards uh, decarbonised heating systems. Um, there will probably be a, a slight further tightening of uh, the energy demand uh, requirements. I mean, certainly Scotland was supposed to have just been bringing in more of a push towards decarbonized heating systems like heat pumps. Mm. But there was a push towards uh, passive house equivalents. Uh, and that's something that they're currently looking at for both domestic and non-domestic buildings to, to sort of bring into play uh, towards the end of next year. 
So um, that, that's quite a significant step forward. Their fabric levels of performance in the current building regulations are already largely there, but Passive House does a bit more than just uh, low energy demands. Obviously, you know, they have uh, very low U values, very good thermal performance for the different building elements, but they also have a, an aim towards um, eliminating thermal bridges wherever they can towards uh, making sure that air leakage is brought down to the, the lowest possible levels. Uh, and one of the biggest things that, that Passive House equivalents, to my mind, would include is uh, addressing the performance gap. So looking at making sure that actually what is built is performing to mm. the level that it should do. Passive House certification is very good for attention to detail, for making sure that actually buildings deliver the performance that they they should uh, you know be delivering. England and Wales, of course, in the latest round of regulation changes that happened last year and at the beginning of this year for Wales, or end of last year, beginning of this year, depending on whether it's domestic or non-domestic, they both sort of inter in, introduced this proof and evidence to make sure that actually you know what you get is is what you uh, you said you were going to get so no product substitutions you know good attention to detailing no gaps that might arise that would lead to a, a poor performing building yes and obviously a big challenge particularly for sme builders i reckon to uh, do that uh, extra part of admin it certainly can be. I mean, yeah. uh, alongside all of that as well is one of the things that was brought in this latest round of, of regulations is an increased level of air tightness testing, for example. Mm -hmm. So uh, previous versions of the regulations, there was obviously air tightness testing requirements, but it wasn't necessarily every single property. So um, there is always that that potential worry that on a, a site of multiple buildings, you know, um, could maybe the first few be done very well and then the later ones not quite as well because you know they might well think that the first ones would be the ones that were air tightness tested i, I think sort of bringing in this requirement to air tightness test uh every home every building you know is a is a good positive step because you know you lose heat through leaky buildings it's an issue in terms of you know, if it's leaky, why is it leaky? Are there, are there gaps? Are there you know there there issues you know around the the building? We don't really know what the future home standard is going to look like, do we? And so there was a consultation uh, for the uh, current round of building standards, and within that, they did give some level of indications of uh, roughly where we were moving towards for domestic buildings. For non-domestic, there were some general principles that were spoken about in terms of you know moving towards, as I say, lower carbon heating systems, making sure that buildings have a, an overall uh, very low level of heat demand, low carbon, zero carbon technologies being introduced. So yeah. it's sort of general guidance. We should find out probably by the end of this year. Government timelines do seem very flexible at times. Yeah. Uh, any time really is, I guess, you know, where it could be. There's not a lot if, of time before 2025. No, <laughs> no. I mean, 2025 is supposed to be uh, an absolute, you know, that's when it will be introduced. Yeah. Uh, and usually, you know, if something's coming into play in, say, October, it has to have been published six months before that. Mm. You know, uh, the, the clock is ticking. We should be seeing the detail, I would hope, soon. But we'll see. It, it's hard to know where we're going to move uh, yeah. in the future. 
um, some work uh, taken on the next version of the standardized assessment procedure, which is used for energy modeling uh, for domestic buildings. And I'm sure um, the non-domestic side of things has also been looked at. I don't think there's going to be any massive changes overall in the current uh, performance standards. But nonetheless, I do think that potentially there there could be some changes or sort of potentially coming to look at in-use performance, um, not as a compliance metric, but some level of requirements uh, for that to be included for, for certain sizes of buildings, maybe targeted at the larger ones initially. I think in the longer term as well, there may yeah. also be some level of requirements for reporting embodied carbon. Mm. Um, possibly not, you know, 2025, but I know it is something that each of the different um, parts of the UK are have been looking at uh, individually. Uh, th- there's a lot still to do on the embodied carbon uh, sort of side of things. Obviously, the biggest sort of uh, wins there are the highest carbon parts of of a building. Uh, so uh, steel concrete you know that kind of thing mated with it and obviously helps to reduce the operational carbon as well so it's not a massive one in the grand scheme of things on that but buildings as a whole do represent you know quite a a substantial amount of of embodied and operational carbon associated with them so there's there's certainly uh room for improvement there and what what are you doing to address embodied carbon then on products so i mean Overall, um, from a manufacturer's perspective, you know, we're definitely looking at each of our different products, how we can reduce the embodied carbon of the materials, making sure that we've got declarations of all of the different products that are in our portfolio. Uh, so our main ones have, have already got those undertaken, um, and actually they're, they're being looked at, being updated currently um, right. in the plans for the year ahead as well. You know, the, there's a few products that still need those, so we're working on those at the moment. Some specifiers will interrogate that in a lot of depth, I would have Sure, Uh, and they probably should do, because um, certainly a lot of the generic data that I've seen for uh, for different products actually is quite dated. So mm. I've I've seen declarations for generic product types that actually comes back from, you know, the late 1990s, early 2000s. And, and some of that data, you know, will predate the latest standards. So it won't necessarily uh, take account of all of the different sources of carbon that might be, you know, uh, allowed for in, in somebody's more recent uh, declarations. Labor it's, of love, isn't it? It is. It's very important, I, f- I think, to to make sure that actually, you know, if you are making any kind of comparisons, you are comparing apples with apples and, you know, not apples with zebras. There's, there's some very different sort of levels uh, of information that are out there. Obviously, you know, more firmly in efficient solutions is is uh, is a very sort of big part of of helping to actually reduce the uh, additional carbon that can be associated with a building. So, you know, if you've got a thinner wall construction, you've got thinner foundations, you've got less roof area, you've actually got less external um you know leaf of the building whether that's brickwork or cladding or whatever else it happens to be so you know anything that can reduce the size of the building you know can Mm. be quite positive in reducing the overall carbon associated with it there's all kinds of different things that are knock-on effect not just the the uh the element itself and its thickness and also trying to maintain the internal area Uh, absolutely it's trying to look at each building as its own set of components but that's incredibly difficult in lots of 
areas of this industry, isn't it? It, it would be lovely if you could just look at one thing and just say, oh, yes, that's an A. And, you know, that compares with this thing, which is an F. You know, yeah. But even if you were to look at a, a performance declaration for the products and you look at the different sort of values for the different parts of, a, a, of an EPD, you know, you can then sort of say, so is that good or bad? And actually, it can be both. Um, yeah. So it, like a, it's like a not maths easy. equation when you get x no, equals this, y absolutely. Equals yeah, uh, I, I'm aware that some organisations are looking at some kind of levels of simplified tools just to give you a little bit of an idea of uh, if I do this to my building, you know, what would that mean? But there's still, you know, going to be a requirement somewhere along the lines for a proper calculation. It yeah. could be very easy to sort of make decisions just based on a few clicks and then think, oh, I'm doing the right thing. And that's not necessarily the case. Providing the right information to the right people and making sure that information is shared, you know, up the chain to the person who is uh, competent to make decisions, you know, weighing up all of the difference you know, circumstances that are involved. That's quite a, you know, quite an important thing, really. I mean, mm. obviously, the Building Safety Acts, uh, some of the provisions are in place now. Um, there'll be more coming, you know, in the next six to 12 months. It should have been in the autumn, but I've got a feeling some of those provisions may well slip into the next year. There's been a number of changes uh, over, you know, the last couple of years. Um, you know, minor changes in some places, um, you know, uh, quite more significant in others, but things like, for example, the golden thread, um, you know, so making sure that the right information uh, is made available, uh, is captured in the right way, is passed on to the right people. There's still some level of uh, of detail to kind of come on that. We've got a new national regulator of construction products. There's a whole level of different new requirements that are on the horizon that are sort of starting to be in place we're still a little bit unsure with construction products what's going to happen regarding the uk construction conformity assessment marking or whether ce marking is going to continue to be accepted beyond 2025 it seems to you know now be pushed on towards uh for, for other products there's a lot of good stuff that was in uh the morel day report that the industry as a whole uh, have very been very much supportive of. At the same time as all of that, you know, Kingspan have been looking towards um, you know upping our, our own game uh, considerably the last couple of years. So all of our Kingspan insulation sites in in uh, GB and Ireland now achieved certification to ISO three seven three hundred one. So that's an international standard for compliance management systems. All of our departments have had to demonstrate continued compliance across the range of areas, and it's audited on a, an annual basis. And, and as part of that as well, we've implemented a change management uh, excellence program. So that makes sure that we've got consistent quality of our products um, as an absolute focus. You know, any any changes, any any alterations, carefully tracked, communicated, uh, any recertifications are sought where necessary. That. And at the same time, on the competence sort of side of things, we've got a, a you know, people in place, a head of quality, head of compliance, making sure that, again, our products are achieving, as I say, what we say on the tin, making sure that actually the performance you know, is, is at the levels required. And, and all of this kind of sort of 
rolls into these changes to the Building Safety Act. It's making sure that actually, you know, whatever it might say, we've got uh, you know robust processes that are in place. And then on the competence, sort of making sure that actually people understand consequences of the information they provide. So they're not making decisions for um, you know a specifier. They're providing them with the right information about the products that we have available, which may be appropriate for the application that they need to go into. And then on the golden thread sort of side of things, um, you know, we've been also looking at our uh, building information modeling objects. So, you know, making sure that for each of our different products, we've got a very robust uh, information available that we've checked through all of our specification information, all of our literature, making sure that actually we've got the right level of support available for the industry regarding our products. Mm. And alongside that, you know, offering CPD training sessions, and then on-site toolbox talks for installers, for example. Such a demanding agenda now, if we are going to hit the targets, that you, you need genuine partnership, don't you, between supply end and uh, specifiers, perhaps in ways we haven't seen before, if we, if we are going to get there. Going to sure. have to be the openness is the first stage, and then there's probably going to have to be difficult conversations, which are uh, which challenge previous expectations in order to to get things done. The off the shelf approach is is not going to work, right? For the energy savings that we need, in industry, you know, uh, has needed to change for a while. Um, uh, and actually, these are, there's some very positive steps. You know, just because somebody has been doing something, you know, one way for all of their working life, doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right way. It's it's important to 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 look at these different areas, put them under focus, and then sort of look at how you can do them better. And all work in a trusting and open way somehow. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And um, I think we've covered a lot of the ways in terms of how legislation is making the, the landscape much more robust and, and rigorous, but also how uh, industry has reacted already and is, is, is pushing the agenda while we still wait for a further clarity on certain things from government. Yeah, I mean, clarity would be lovely. Um, there's, there's a variety of things uh, and areas where we could do with knowing more, but we can't just sort of sit still and wait for that. So it's a question of sort of, you know, making sure that industry as a whole and Kingspan, you know, in particular, make sure that actually we're making strides forwards, not just waiting, you know, for what might come. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us on Building Insights, John. Thank you very much.